Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. And today we're talking about season four, episode 20 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called The Originals, because you guessed it, this is the backdoor pilot for The Originals. Now, I was mad when I saw the title because I obviously made this assumption. And then we go to New Orleans. I said, no, no, you were not ready to spin off yet. I wasn't ready. I thought we would wait until season five for it. I was so sure. Even though there are 23 episodes in season four and we usually have 22. So it makes sense that that extra episode would be a backdoor pilot. Perhaps. It would have made sense if I had seen a Cleoline kiss by now. Yeah, you were pretending you didn't see it because you were like, well, we have to see Klaus and Caroline like have a relationship before we spin off. And then yeah. it became clear that was further away. So you're like, well, they're definitely going to kiss. Yeah, I was like, well, they have to kiss. I mean, let's be serious. And now it's unclear if they will ever kiss or date. They're going to kiss at the minimum, if nothing by sheer force of will. I'll make them kiss. I'll call Joseph Morgan and Candace King up and be like, guys, I need you to pop a quick scene out. Can you imagine what this must have felt like if you were a Claroline stan in the age that this was airing? I would have lost my shit. You did lose your shit. I did lose my shit. And I like, I honestly had a hard time watching the whole episode. I'll be honest. I wanted to tune it out. I came around to it through it. But it was like difficult. I did debate if we should even cover this on Doppelgangers because it's not really the Vampire Diaries. But I think watching this backdoor pilot, particularly in the space of binging Vampire Diaries, is an important experience that we need to unpack. Yeah, because we start out a normal episode and then it's like New Orleans. And I'm like, now why would we be in New Orleans? No, it's called the originals. So you're like, oh, no, this is the backdoor pilot. And then we start in the Salvador Dungeon. It's like, oh, I was being dramatic. Maybe we're good. And then we go to New Orleans and we spend the whole episode there. And then we start meeting new characters. And it's like, oh, no, we're spinning. We're spinning off. I can imagine the poor Claroline girlies. This could not have been a fun day. I mean, I, I'm i a little nauseous. I'll be completely honest with you. <laughs> nauseous. And I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Julie Pleck, you will pay for this. Like, this one, this one hurt in many ways. There were fun parts of it. I did enjoy it overall, but it it hit me. It it slapped me across the face multiple times. We'll unpack it as we go. Much to unpack about the originals. So we'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Acting on a mysterious tip that a plot is brewing against him in New Orleans, Klaus makes a trip to the town he and his family helped build. Klaus's questions lead him to a reunion with his former protege, Marcel, a charismatic vampire who has total control over the human and supernatural inhabitants of New Orleans. Determined to help his brother find redemption, Elijah follows Klaus and soon learns that Haley has also come to the French Quarter searching for clues to her family history and has fallen into the hands of a powerful witch named Sophie. Meanwhile, in Mystic Falls, Damon and Stefan continue with their plan for Elena, while Catherine reveals a surprising vulnerability to Rebecca and asks her to deliver a message. But we start the episode very much in Vampire Diaries land. We started in the Salvatore dungeon. Elena wakes up because, as we remember, she was trapped in the dungeon after she really fucked up prom for everybody. She eavesdrops on Damon and Stefan talking. And Damon says, she is the calmest desiccating vampire I've ever seen. Like, I remember when you starved me for three days, I would have wept at your feet for an orange peel. <laughs> and Stefan says, well, she's not going to beg for blood. Begging means desperation, a.k.a. emotion, and she's still in no humanity zone. That's kind of dope that if you're 
emotions are off, you're like, fine, I'm desiccating. Well, remember when Jenna was brutally murdered by Klaus, Elena was like, just turn off your emotions, then you won't be scared. Yeah. So it's got to be kind of a chill time for her in this dungeon. I mean, again, I would prefer a pillow if I were her, but it's not the worst. But that's because you have your human emotions. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's got all that fucking hair. Yeah. That red streak better be real comfortable right now, girl. Damon says, how hungry does she have to be before we can torture some feeling back into her? And Stefan says, a lot hungrier than she is now, apparently. And Damon says, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? So basically, it's like, well, guess we have to wait this out. Anywhere else we could check out for a couple days? And there is. It's a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, I guess we're at kind of a standstill. Besides, you know, the fact that you have an, like, an all-powerful vampire who has everything he needs to yeah. take the to the other side. but. We can wait a week. I think you can spend this day worrying about Silas rather than just like waiting around for Elena to get hungry. But instead, Catherine comes in and she sets the scene for us. She says, maybe I can provide a little excitement. And I will never forgive Catherine for making us spin off like this. <laughs> this is Catherine's fault. This is true villainy. <laughs> Catherine says, the one and only, sort of. <laughs> she does have a doppelganger. It's like, she says, when's the welcome home party? And Damon says, well, look who went and got bored. Last I checked, Klaus was plotting your eternal demise. And she says, doesn't matter anymore. Klaus is gone. And you said, no. I said, mm, I don't think he is. Stefan says, what do you mean he's gone? And Catherine says, let's just say that werewolf girl Haley turned out to be just the thing we needed to get Klaus out of our lives for good. Now, this is a one-two punch for you because not only is Klaus spinning off, but it's Haley's fault. It's Haley's fault. This was bad enough until I found out how exactly it was Haley's fault. We'll get to that when we get to that. This was hell. You had no idea the kind of day you were going to have when we turned on this episode. Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, getting ready to watch the show, do the podcast, excited to see another app. And then I saw the originals title and I said, "Uh uh-oh. So then we go over to New Orleans. We get a Chiron that tells us. We see the Superdome. It's pretty obvious. We also see a street that says bourbon. For fans of the show that don't know, I famously lived in New Orleans for four years. Any other time, I would have been thrilled we were in New Orleans. I saw that Chiron, I screamed in a bad way. I will say, I mean, I'll talk through this as the episode goes on. There's a lot of shows that do episodes or like random things in New Orleans. A lot of them do it really bad and really obnoxiously. I have very few issues with how they represented New Orleans in this. They do shoot this on location. And I find that the general reception of the originals as a whole is that it's very people from New Orleans love it. Like I was a little nervous about it, to be honest, because oftentimes things set in New Orleans are just a little obnoxious. Think the Criminal Minds episode of New Orleans. Fun episode, horrible representation of New Orleans. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah. This episode does a good job of making New Orleans look like the the artistic and cultural hub that it is, that it is so often not thought of as, because it's usually thought of as people go there to get drunk. And like the French Quarter is obviously disgusting in person and they clean it up a little bit in this, but not much. Yeah. Not like an an amount that makes me like, oh, be fucking for real. But we start, I don't know why they do this. There's a coffin in the middle of the road. People pick it up. I think it's to make us think that maybe Klaus is dead for some reason. Because Catherine says Klaus is gone, whatever. I was also like, maybe this is like a flashback to Haley's parents. I don't know why there would only be one coffin. They loved each other that much. Yeah, they just wanted to, to cuddle. Those were my thoughts on it. Anyway, so then we go into a bar 
which we don't know the name of at this time. Maybe later in the show, they'll tell us. The name of the actual Burnley ones is Napoleon House. And at the borough, we see Haley. She's got her hair all done because she's a series regular now, bitch. They gave her a tight curl. They said, we got to distinguish you as a star of this show. Uh, the bartender comes up to her. We later find out it's Jane Ann, Jane Ann Devereaux. Uh, she says, third time in here this week. And Haley says, I am obsessed with the gumbo. And Jane Ann says, the old ladies in the ninth ward say my sister Sophie bleeds a piece of her soul into every dish. And so we see Sophie in the back cooking. Haley says, so here's the thing. I asked around the quarter about my family and I can't find a single person who remembers them. And Jane Ann says, well, Haley, people like you were run out of here years ago. And Haley says, what do you mean people like me? Well, girl, she's not talking about brunettes. Yeah. (laughs) She's not talking about sexy people either. So do the math. Sophie watches as Jane Ann's like, in the bayou, they call the werewolves Rougarou. You head out there, you'll find what you're looking for. And she gives her like a little piece of paper. And she says, also, like, be careful. It's the last place you'd ever want to go. And Haley says, dope. The last place I ever want to go, I'm going to go there alone to the middle of the bayou. Good thing I have my Mustang. Yeah. Haley said, I have no questions. And she leaves. And Jane Ann and Sophie look at each other and we can see that Jane Ann is holding a strand of Haley's hair. Iconic. Yeah. It's pretty clear from the hair thing that they're witches. Yeah. They'll make it clear later, but it's like, oh, yeah, those are a couple witches. We go out to the road. Haley's driving. And at the same time, we go to a cemetery where Sophie and Jane Ann are working together. And Sophie says, like, don't do it. Like, please. What if I'm wrong about her? And Jane Ann says, that's the beauty of you. You're never wrong. She's the only way we're going to get to Klaus. At this point, I was thinking, okay, well, he definitely recognized the little birthmark. So maybe there's some family connection, whatever. Yeah. I was not at all on the path we were going. Haley continues to drive while they chat. Sophie says, you know, we can get someone else to do the spell. Jane Ann says, who? Half the witches don't believe you. The other half are too scared. And Sophie says, they know we're going to get caught, Jane Ann. And Jane Ann says, well, we don't really have another option. Now go. You know what you need to do. Sophie nods. Later at night, Jane Ann starts the spell. She's lighting some candles, whatever. Haley, meanwhile, has arrived at her location in the woods. She stops her car. So it must be where she thinks she's going, even though she's off a road. She's off the road, middle of nowhere, nothing around. Yeah. Now get back in that car, mama. Well, she doesn't get out right away. She first looks at the map in the car. But at the cemetery, Jane Ann lights a fire and Haley, her map catches fire. Not hard to see that correlation. Haley tosses it out the window and starts to drive away. But then smoke comes out of Haley's car as smoke also comes out of Jane Ann's goblet. Then Haley gets out of the car. She attempts to call a tow service. She's going to say, yeah, I'm like in the middle of the woods. First of all, it's not going to be quick regardless. Second of all, they are not finding you. Yeah. Jane Ann does a little hum. And then all of a sudden there's like feedback on the phone. Haley can't listen. She throws it on the ground and steps on it herself. Yeah. Haley's like, now why would I do that? Very effective. (laughs) And then people start surrounding Haley. And Haley notices this. She's a little freaked out. How could she not be? And then Jane Ann blows out a candle. And as the candle goes out, Haley faints and Sophie catches her. So they got her. Yeah. So that was pretty easy. It won't happen for free, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then we go back to New Orleans. A tour guide is leading tourists. He's obviously on some kind of supernatural tour. He says, welcome to New Orleans. It's a supernatural playground where the living are easily lost and the dead stick around to play. Klaus listens to this. He loves shit like this. We pan over to a dead person who is sticking around to play. It's our friend Klaus. Meanwhile, at some Michelson house, Klaus is maybe in Mystic Falls. Rebecca and Elijah are catching up. And Rebecca says, What the hell is Klaus doing in New Orleans? And Elijah says, well, evidently there are witches conspiring against him. So knowing our brother, this was a mission to silence and slaughter. 
So back to a pilot, I don't think that's the mission. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's how it's going to turn out. In New Orleans, Klaus walks around, I think it's Jackson Square. Yeah. He sees, you know, people set up, a bunch of fake people selling readings and such. And then a woman spots him and starts packing up her table. And so that tells Klaus like, oh, she knows who I am. Yes, yeah, so that's a pretty dead giveaway, girly. Yeah, pack up a little slower. Just let him come to you if he wants to. Give him a boring reading and then charge him $40. He's good for it. Yeah. He's like, can you make change for a hundred? She's like, no, I absolutely can't. <laughs> At the Michelson house, Rebecca says, you know, the French quarter witches are not a lot to be trifled with. You don't suppose they found a way to kill him once and for all, do you? And Elijah just says, hey, Rebecca, in the name of our family, you might want to try to dial down your glee. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Rebecca, can you just suck it up? She says, what family? With three distrustful acquaintances who happen to share a bloodline. I, for one, hope they've found a way to make that traitorous bastard rot. Well, girly, they haven't. She's so mad that he got the cure away from her last episode. Rebecca, I cannot emphasize enough to you. Taking the cure would have been a dumb, dumb, dumb decision by you. You got to get past it. And I don't know why you won't learn that. Here's the thing. She'll take the cure. She'll die in a week. Especially if Elena's over there with her humanity off. Well, she's been immortal for a thousand years. She's just going to get hit by a car. Because she's not going to be careful. Yeah, she's going to like fall down some stairs in a way that she like never thought it would hurt her before. Or she'll just like run into a tree or trip on something because she thinks she can run fast, but she can't. She'll just choke on a hot dog. Like (laughs) she would die. So she needs to get over this. Yeah. Back in New Orleans, Klaus sits down at the woman's table and says, good afternoon. Time for one more. And she says, no, I got nothing to say to you. And he says, well, that's not very amiable, is it? You don't even know me. She says, yeah, but the gag is I do know who you are. Uh, You're half vampire, half beast. You're a hybrid. And he says, well, I'm the original hybrid, actually, but that's a long story for another time. He's like, well, joke's on you. There's no other ones. It's just me. So we know this backstory. We don't have to talk about it. No one who's watching the originals for the first time would know this, but they could go back and watch it if they care. At the Michelson house, Rebecca says to Elijah, like, where are you going? And Elijah says, to find out who's making a move against our brother, and then I'll either stop them or I'll help them, depending on my mood. (laughs) In New Orleans, Klaus says, here's the thing, I'm looking for someone, a witch. Perhaps you might be able to help me find her. Her name is Jane Ann Devereaux. And the woman says, "Mm, I I DK, sorry. And Klaus says, well, that's a fib, isn't it? She doesn't do a great job of lying about this. Yeah. He says, you see, I know you're a true witch amongst this sea of posers. So like enough with the fabrications. Like I have a temper. Just going to tell you that. And she says, witches don't talk out of school in the quarter. The vampire won't allow it. Those are the rules. I don't break Marcel's rules. And Klaus says, Marcel's rules. Where do you suppose I might find Marcel? And she's like, you ever watch season one of Friends? Ross adopts him. It's a monkey. (laughs) That was my first thought. Then my other thought was like, oh, he's right down there. He's that little shell with shoes on. (laughs) Marcel is a goofy name. But one thing about the Vampire Diaries is they will always swing big with a name before they give someone a name like Emily. And the thing about Marcel, I heard that name. I was like, that is so fucking stupid. And then I saw him and I was like, okay, he's cute, but his name is still Marcel. And then by the end of the episode, I'm like, Marcel's sexy. Oh, yeah. Like the way I get past it immediately. So we go over to some bar and we meet Marcel for the first time. He's singing the song, How You Like Me Now, like he's in a Swiffer ad. But the (laughs) ladies are eating it up. And let's talk about Marcel. He is played by an actor named Charles Michael Davis. He's been in a number of things. I'll run through some of them. I don't watch a lot of these, but he's well, well well-known actor. He stays booked and busy. NCIS New Orleans. 
Younger. Oh. For the People, Chicago PD. He was also on one episode of Jane the Virgin. That's fun. Uh, one thing that I know him from, I don't know if you ever watched this. Did you ever watch the made-for-TV movie on ABC starring Leah Michelle called Same Time Next Christmas? Do you think I did? Well, I think you might. Why else would I bring I, it up? I didn't. <laughs> well, I did. It came out. <laughs> this is interesting. It came out in 2019. I remember like knowing when this movie was premiering and watching it. So I assumed it must have happened during COVID, but I guess it didn't. Let's not act like COVID was the only time you were watching stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I do remember this ad. The ad was everywhere and it was before Leah Michelle had really done her redemption arc. Okay, no, I remember because this ad was everywhere at like the Americana. Yes, it was. That's why I wanted to watch it. It was a made-for-TV movie. It's called Same Time Next Christmas. It's about Leah Michelle. She's in a love oh, triangle. I do remember what this is about. Yeah, between this guy who ends up being the one she ends up with and Brian Greenberg. He was on One Tree Hill and also played a love interest on The Mindy Project. But Charles Michael Davis is the romantic lead opposite Leah Michelle. Charles Michael Davis was also, just for your reference, in Grey's Anatomy, Switched at Birth. He was on one episode of That's So Raven, even. So he's had quite an illustrious career, but we know him on the originals as Marcel. And I've seen pictures from the original set, pictures of the cast together, and seen him hanging out with the cast. So I recognized him immediately as a big player. Here. Yeah. You're like, I know this is going to be one of our main characters. Yes. Klaus comes in and watches. He looks a little angry as he glares at him. Marcel gets off the stage and he joins his two buddies. We later learn their names are Thierry and Diego. They're weird looking in the, each in their own unique way. And Thierry's got that fucking hat on and I will come back to that. Yeah, we'll keep going back to that. <laughs> um, he gets off stage. He has a drink. Everyone's like, wow, you were great. He's like very popular at this bar. And then he spots Klaus and he says, Klaus, it must be a hundred years since that nasty business with your papa. <laughs> so <laughs> Papa is so cutting. <laughs> <laughs> with your little papa. One thing that I think this backdoor pilot sets up really well, and we'll talk about it more as we go on, is it brings us really complex relationships right off the top. Yeah. Julie Pleck, I think in general, is very good at exposition mm -hmm. because it's hard to get the relationship and the name out without being like, oh my God, my friend who I know from this time, name. And it's particularly trickier to do that kind of exposition in a spinoff because, well, it's number one, tough to do it in a supernatural show because you also have to explain like, oh, by the way, vampires can't be invited in. Also in a spinoff, it's like, you have to assume that a lot of people who are tuning in for this show know the rules of the Vampire Diaries, but you also have to assume that they might not. You have to be able to kind of comfortably add in some information, like even the introduction of Klaus for this woman to say like, you're half vampire, half beast, the hybrid, essentially defining hybrid. Yes. But in a way that makes her sound like, I'm scared of you, that's why I'm saying this. And in a way that doesn't alienate Vampire Diaries fans who are like, we know that. Yeah. So I think she does do a good job setting that up and like giving us names when we need them and waiting for them if we don't. And she gives us a great on ramp for a show because like this relationship between Marcel and Klaus is like right from the beginning. It's juicy. Yeah, it's interesting, especially Klaus being such a beloved character on The Vampire Diaries. You don't want to see him leave that show. So if he's leaving, you want to believe that there's something interesting to see. Well, it's specifically a type of relationship we have not seen Klaus have. Mm -hmm. He actually was like very close with this person and was like helping. That's something that is that we're not used to seeing from Klaus. It's like, oh, I would love to see a time when Klaus was like 
happy. I would love to see Klaus be the hero of his own show and not everyone hating on it. You know? Yeah. Klaus says, has it been that long? And Marcel says, the way I would call it, your papa ran you out of town and left a trail of dead vampires in his wake. And Klaus says, and yet how fortunate you managed to survive. My father, I'm afraid, I recently incinerated to dust. The other vampires like get up and like defend Marcel. They like get ready because there's a little bit of like, you know, tension here. They seem to be angry with each other at first. So it's like, what's the vibe with these two? Yeah. And then Marcel says, if I'd known you were coming back in town, if I'd had a heads up. And Klaus says, what, Marcel? And they get close to each other. And Klaus says, what would you have done? Marcel says, I would have thrown you a damn parade. And they laugh and hug. And the two henchmen are like, okay, cool. We don't have to fight. And then this is another great moment of exposition from Julie Pleck. Marcel says, Niklaus Michelson, my mentor, my savior, my sire. That tells us everything about the relationship that we need to know right now. Obviously, it gets even more complex as we go. And then Marcel says, let's get you a drink. Upstairs, they're in like a private room. Marcel sits with Klaus, but Diego and Thierry are like flanking Marcel. Marcel says, good to see you. And Klaus says, oh, it's good to be home. Though, like, please tell me the current state of Bourbon Street is not your doing. And Marcel says, something's got to draw the out-of-towners. Otherwise, we'd all go hungry. Because one thing about Marcel, he's like, get me that blood. Daddy want a drink. Then Klaus can't help but notice that, you know, Diego and Thierry have daylight rings. And Klaus says, I see your friends are daywalkers. And Marcel says, yeah, I shared the secret of your daylight ring with a few buddies. Just the inner circle, though, the family. And this is another good setup of like explaining what a daylight ring is, but also very much implying that Klaus is like, oh, we did not have daylight rings when I was here. I wasn't sharing that. And we also know that Klaus did tell Marcel about it. Yes. But maybe he didn't tell other vampires. So that tells us like a closeness that we haven't seen Klaus have with anyone outside of his family. Yeah. Except Caroline. But <laughs> but that's over. <laughs> We're moving on from that. Um, <laughs> Klaus says, tell me, how did you find a witch to make daylight rings? And Marcel expertly sidesteps his question. He says, I got the witches here wrapped around my finger. And Klaus says, is that so? Well, here's the gag. I'm looking for a witch by the name of Jane Ann Devereaux. She has some business with me. And the other vampires prick over Marcel says, Jane Ann. Because at this point, Marcel knows he's about to go kill her because he knows she did a spell. <laughs> so he's like, oh, you ought to come with me. It's showtime. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, come along. You're like, You'll see her for a brief moment. Yeah. Then we go out to the street. People are jumping in cars and stuff. They're jumping on roofs. We assume it's vampires. It's definitely vampire jumping because they're a little, they're getting a little higher than a normal person. Marcel takes a minute to talk to Klaus. He's like, oh, how's the family? And Klaus says, those who live hate me more than ever. <laughs> and Marcel says, well, forget him. You know, if your blood relations let you down, you make your own, huh? You taught me that. Um, and what's mine is yours, as always. Even my night walkers, the riffraff, everything's, everything's yours. The riffraff. Klaus says, they're hardly subtle. And Marcel says, it's the quarter. Ain't no such thing as subtle. Yeah, because everyone's drunk. They're like, damn, that guy jumped high. Yeah. Marcel whistles. Everyone cheers. He's like bringing the audience to him. But then some guy brings up Jane Ann, we know from earlier, and her wrists are tied. So things aren't looking great for her. Marcel says, Jane Ann Devereaux. And Klaus and Jane Ann look at each other and they're like sizing each other up through this whole thing. Marcel says, give it up for Jane Ann. Everyone claps. And he says, Jane Ann, you have been accused of the practice of witchcraft beyond the bounds of the rules set forth and enforced by me. How do you plead? And he turns to class and says, was that convincing? I studied law back in the 50s. He's having fun with it. He's doing a performance thing. I mean, you can see like the DNA of Klaus is very much on Marcel. Klaus created a monster. <laughs> yeah, he 
unfortunately gave the decisions he made and the evil side to someone with charisma. Because yeah. Klaus may be entertaining, but he's not, uh, he doesn't draw the crowd. He doesn't have the charisma. He draws a crowd only by sheer force. Only by like, if you don't pay attention to me, I'm going to kill your mother. And then yeah. they look. Marcel's just singing. He's partying. Everyone loves him. This pisses Klaus right off. Yeah, because Klaus is like, I thought everyone hated me because I'm evil, but turns out it might just be my personality because people don't seem to have an issue with you. Klaus says, turns out it actually is worse to be feared than loved. Yeah. <laughs> Marcel turns back to Jane and he says, TikTok, you know the drill, how do you plead? Jane Ann says, well, I didn't do anything. And Marcel says, okay, well, that's a lie. You know it, I know it, and you hate that I know it. It drives you witches crazy that I'm aware of your every move, that you can't do magic in this town without getting caught. So why don't we just cut to the chase? You tell me what magic you're brewing. And she like obviously hesitates. And he says, look, tell me. I'll grant you leniency. I am, after all, a merciful man. She doesn't buy this for a second and she shouldn't. Uh, So she says, rotten hell monster. Yeah. (laughs) And he says, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll give you one more chance. He turns away and then turns back really quickly and throws some herbs at her and slits her throat. So he wasn't going to give her one more chance. Yeah, he's got like this branch that he swings and the leaves seem to slit her throat. I, I was like, what kind of herb is this that is bad for witches? But yeah. he just he just cuts her with it. Yeah, we have to assume it's like the velocity of the leaf or something. Yeah, that's what I assume. And you can tell I'm already down bad for myself because I was like, well, I mean, she should have just followed the rules. Yeah, he just gave her some rules. <laughs> it's like she kind of deserves it. <laughs> and I was like, mm, Stephanie, wrap that up. He says, or not, and she falls, dying. She's on the ground. She's, like, choking. The crowd cheers. Marcel laughs, and Klaus is a little freaked out. Well, Klaus is a little pissed because he's like, I told you I wanted to talk to her. I thought I was in charge here. So Klaus goes up to Marcel, and he says, hey, what was that? And Marcel says, walk with me. Witches aren't allowed to do magic here. She broke the rules. (laughs) So that's that. And Klaus says, I told you I wanted to talk to her. And Marcel says, ah, sorry. I got caught up in the show. As if. No, you knew what you were doing, but that's fine. It is. I mean, it is, again, this relationship between the two of them is so interesting because they are, like, they seem very friendly, but they are very much jockeying for power the whole episode. And Marcel just got one over on Klaus. Yeah, because Marcel knows he has it right now, but he knows it wouldn't be crazy for Klaus to try to get it back. Yeah. He knows that if Klaus is here, he's going to try. So Marcel has to kind of manage that threat. He does a pretty good job. Until, you know, he doesn't. And Marcel says, you know, those witches think they still have the power in this town. I have to show them they don't. Never waste an opportunity for a show of force. Another lesson I learned from you. This is another thing Marcel does well. He's constantly complimenting Klaus. Yeah, he's like, I'm just doing what you told me to do and see how good it's going. Like, thank you for this. Mm -hmm. And now stop giving any input because I have enough. Thank you. And now shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And Marcel says, besides, anything you could have gotten out of her, I can find out for you, and I will. I promise. I'm sure you can, but you might lie. Yeah. And Klaus says, well, whatever it was, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? And they seem to relax. They laugh. Ha ha ha. Marcel says, good. Let's eat. All that spilled blood makes me hungry. He laughs, and he walks away. And Klaus goes up to the guy in the newsboy hat. It's Thierry. And he says, hey, Thierry, isn't it? Any more Devereaux witches where where she came from? And Lord knows why. He, like, tells Klaus this, I guess, because he knows he'll just go tell Marcel. But still. Yeah, they'll follow him anyway. But we go back to the borough from earlier. Sophie is chopping vegetables because she's, you know, known to make gumbo. And she jumps and she sees Klaus and she says, 
you're Klaus. And he says, I am. He says, nailed it. You got me there, queen. And he says, you're upset. He says, Sophie, isn't it? I assume like the reason you're crying is because of what I just witnessed with your sister on the corner of Royal and St. Anne. You know, her being brutally murdered. You know, her getting murdered on the street while you were at work. And Sophie says, did you enjoy the show? And he says, it was a bit melodramatic for my tastes. For class? No. And then he says, but while I'm here, what did your sister want with me? Why did Marcel kill her? And then Sophie spots some vampires in the background. And she says, I see you brought friends. And he's like, those guys aren't with me. And she says, well, they're with Marcel. That's all that matters. Look, I know that you built this town, but this is his town now. He killed my sister because she broke the rules. So I talked to you in front of them. I'm next. And she walks away. So Klaus decides to go up to the two vampires. And he says, hey, you two gentlemen following me? And one guy says, well, Marcel said we're your guides. So yes. So yes. <laughs> Klaus says, oh, he did, did he? Well, then let me be exceedingly clear about something. If either of you follow me again, you'll do so without the benefit of a spine. And he's like, uh, supposedly, it seems, grabbing their spines as he says this. Yes. And then the bartender comes up and says, sorry for the wait. If you're here for the gumbo, I'm about to break your heart. We just ran out. This bartender, you may or may not recognize, this is an actress named Leah Pipes. What she's most recognized for is the Disney Channel original movie, Pixel Perfect, which she's great in. But let's see what else she's in, if anything. She has an iconic coma storyline, as any good actress does. Yes. She, oh, she was on The New Charmed. She was on one episode of Glee, apparently. Don't remember her on that. Huh. She was in the movie Sorority Row. I've never seen it, but... She was in a couple other like Disney Channel-esque TV movies and Nickelodeon stuff at the time of Pixel Perfect. She's not been in a ton, but she's like an actress who's like recognizable despite not having as illustrious a career as Charles Michael Davis. Yeah, she's got a pretty distinctive face. Yes. So she comes up and tells them like, oh, sorry, we're out of gumbo. And then Klaus puts down a $100 bill and he says, you're oldest scotch for my two friends here, love. And she takes it. She walks away. She says, fuck yeah. While she's gone, Klaus grabs them and says, if Marcel wants to know what I'm up to, he can ask me himself. And then he leaves. Meanwhile, Sophie goes down a back alley. Some candles are lit and she's crying. She lights a candle and then the door slams. The vampires who were following Klaus come outside. She says, the doors work, you know. And the one guy says, you're doing magic. And she says, actually, I'm praying to my dead sister. Go ahead and pay your respects. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm just lighting candles because my sister got murdered today. Okay, pardon me. This guy says, don't make this a thing, Sophie, okay? The hybrid was looking for Jane Ann. Marcel wants to know why. And Sophie says, mm, that sounds like witch business. I'd say ask her yourself, but I guess you can't since Marcel killed her. Yeah. One goes to attack her and the other one appears. And then the first one disappears and everyone's like, mm, what the hell? And then a heart drops down to the ground. We can assume it's the heart of the vampire that's disappeared. They get freaked out. And then the second one gets staked to the wall pretty high up, it seems. Yeah. And it's all freaky. And then out of nowhere comes who else but Elijah. Heard I emoji. <laughs> and he says, I'm Elijah. You've heard of me? If you like the way I talk, then why am I on your mind? <laughs> you just love him. I just love him. I think he's so cute and hot and sexy. And he's very slay. I think he has what's very fascinating about Elijah is he has a lot of really interesting kills, but they're very measured. Yeah. He has the iconic Trevor slap the head right off. That was <laughs> life changing. <laughs> and then Sophie says, yeah, I have heard of you. 
And <laughs> Elijah says, so why don't you tell me what business your family has with my brother? We go out into a street somewhere. Klaus is walking down an alley. He goes into like a big courtyard party. This is clearly like Marcel's house. There's lots of like drinking and making out. We have to remember, we talked about this during the episode, that this is a post-Twilight vampire pop culture world, which means we are in a post-True Blood world. And so you can see the DNA of True Blood in this show quite a bit. It's teen True Blood. This party is giving like as eyes wide shut as the CW can get away with, which is to say they have masks on and martini glasses. Yes, it's very much giving like like more mature than the Vampire Diaries. Mm -hmm. You can see why people responded to it. Because these are vampires that are hanging out in New Orleans all the time, not hanging out at a high school all the time. So there is a distinction. They have a little bit more freedom. Yeah. Klaus spots one of the daywalkers. Later, we learn his name is Diego. He's even weirder looking than Thierry, if that's even possible. (laughs) Um, He says, where's Marcel? Diego says, who the hell's asking? Klaus says, I assume you're joking. (laughs) And Diego's like, I'm not. I don't know who you are. Diego says, I only answer to Marcel is the gag. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And Klaus says, in that case, perhaps you'll answer to this. And he grabs Diego's throat. And he says, you're aware the bite of a werewolf can kill a vampire? Well, as you can see, I'm half werewolf. So I'm going to ask you one more time, where is Marcel? And he gets angry. And Marcel says, hey, I'm right here. He's like, hey, chill out, buddy. We're just hanging out. And he says, easy now. Okay, Diego's just looking out for me. Nobody harms my guys. Those are the rules. He's being very like, you know, like a substitute teacher who's like trying to be cool. He's like, yeah. hey, those are the rules. And he can see it's getting away from him. And he's trying to be like, hey, the rules aren't bad. They're just there. So just, <laughs> they're very simple. You know, I would love to let you guys sit wherever you want, like sit with your friends. But I, I mean, it's out of my hands. Those are just the rules. Yeah, he's losing grip and he knows it. So he tries to spin it back. Klaus says, I really don't care about your rules, Marcel, and I don't need chaperones. So why are you having me followed? And he says, hey, come here, come here. I get it. Show of force. OK, you made your point. Let it go, friend, for me. And Klaus says fine. Why don't you show me what you've done with the place? Will you explain exactly what it is you've been up to in my town? And Marcel says, follow me. And they go upstairs and they get to the roof and they look over the city. And Marcel says, look at that skyline. That is progress. More hotels, more tourists, more fresh blood. And the humans, I taught them to look the other way. He's got quite the setup. Klaus says, and what of the witches? Because in my time, they were forced to be reckoned with and now they live in fear. How do you know when they use magic? Great question, Klaus. And Marcel, again, masterfully deflects. He says, maybe I've got a secret weapon, an ace up my sleeve, something that gives me complete control over all the magic in this town. And then Klaus says, is that a fact? And Marcel says, might be, or maybe I'm just bluffing. So I have to ask, how do you think Marcel knows when the witches do magic? I think given that it's a New Orleans show, there has to be some kind of voodoo element. And so I think that's going to be my best guess. I think that's a good guess. He like eats something. It looks like he like takes a pill. It looks like he has it set up in a pill, which is actually pretty smart. And Klaus says, you take for vain. And Marcel says, yeah, burns like a bitch. But I figure I should limit the number of things I'm vulnerable to. Yeah. And he makes it very clear he's, that he's taking for vain by taking it in front of Klaus. Yeah. He's like, you cannot compel me to figure out what this is. He's trying to make it be casual, but he is very much like, I just want you to know that I take for vain. So nice fucking try. Like, I just want you to be aware of this. And then Marcel says, don't be mad about the chaperone thing. I told my guys to look out for you. That's all. That's what we do here. We look out for each other. And it's like, yes, but they did follow him. It's a good spin. And I mean, Marcel still knows that Klaus doesn't want to be antagonistic to Marcel at this point. 
and Marcel doesn't want Klaus antagonistic to him, it benefits neither of them to be mean to each other. So Marcel knows this is a flimsy bluff at best, Mm -hmm. and Klaus knows that it's a lie, but nothing good comes from either of them owning up to it yet. So they're like, whatever, I'll accept this. Obviously, the followers didn't find out what they wanted to find out. Yeah, so it's kind of irrelevant at the moment. Yeah. And then Marcel spots Leah Pipes. We later learn her name is Cammie, so I'll call her Cammie. Mm-hmm. He spots Cammie walking down the street, and Klaus says, ah, the bartender, walking alone at night. She's either brave or dumb. And Marcel says, let's see. Brave, I let her live. Dumb, she's dessert. And then he quickly jumps down and appears behind her. And he says, hey, you know, it's not safe here alone. She says, you know, I have a black belt in karate. And then we don't see the rest of their conversation. We leave them there. We go up to check in with Klaus on the roof, who's watching this. But then Klaus says, evening, Elijah, who has appeared. And Elijah says, Nick Klaus. And Klaus says, what an entirely unwelcome surprise. And Elijah says, what an entirely unsurprising welcome. That's a great little line. <laughs> oh, a writer ate with that one. They went off. I know Julie Pluck had her hands all over that one. Yeah, Julie Pluck wrote that. And then Elijah says, come with me. And Klaus says, I'm not going anywhere till I find out who's conspiring against me. And Elijah says, I found that out for you. So that's where we're going. <laughs> then we go over to a cemetery, Lafayette Cemetery. And that is a real cemetery in New Orleans. Thank you. And just a little fun fact for people who don't know. So it's, you'll see in the cemetery scenes on this show, all the coffins are above the ground. And that is because in New Orleans, it's a swamp. So when there was flooding, before they put coffins above the ground, coffins would literally come out from underground. So that's why they get buried in these cement coffins above ground in New Orleans. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's just a a little New Orleans fact for you. Fun. Klaus says, what are we doing here? And Elijah says, you want to know what the witches have in store for you? Follow me. They go into a mausoleum and Sophie's there. And Klaus says, what is this? And Klaus is like, well, you wouldn't tell me anything before, so are we going to get to it? Elijah says he's all yours, proceed. And Sophie says to Klaus, you know you're famous in this town? Witches tell bedtime stories about the powerful vampire Klaus. And he's like, that sounds great to me. He's like, well, I'm a hybrid now. You want to tell him to revise? Yeah. And then Sophie says, we know Marcel was nothing but an orphan street rat till you made him what he is now. And now he's out of control. He does what he wants, kills who he wants. I'm going to stop him and you're going to help me. Klaus says, this is why you brought me here? What kind of dumbass? Klaus says, this is a lot of assumptions from you. (laughs) Elijah says, hear her out. And Klaus says, I don't need to hear her out. I assure you, love, there is not a thing on this earth that will matter enough for me to waste even 30 more seconds of my time. And Sophie said, I got something. Klaus says, Elijah, what madness is this? And then Haley appears and says, Klaus, you need to listen to them. And at first, Klaus is like, what he assumes, which makes sense that he would assume this, is that they're trying to hold over like some girl he's into. And he hasn't thought once about Haley since he had sex with her. He's like, y'all grabbed the wrong one, okay? Yeah. He says, (laughs) he like laughs in their face. You guys have to be kidding. He says, you're all out of your minds if you think some liquor-fueled one-night stand, and he turns to Haley and says, no offense, sweetheart, means a thing to me. And Sophie, you know, she's not done. She says, Marcel may be able to keep us from practicing real magic in this town, but as keepers of the balance, we still know when nature has cooked up something new. Sure. She says, for example, I have a special gift, 
of sensing when a girl is pregnant. Now, this ruined your day. It was already bad. I literally, I can't describe the feeling I had. I was like, no. Because, mind you, I knew that she was going to get pregnant with Klaus's baby eventually. I'm surprised you didn't realize it was in the pilot that this happened. Because, and fans of the podcast, I don't know if we talked about this on mic. There was a time when Stephanie thought that Klaus's baby was a baby he had with Caroline. Everybody laugh. Everybody laugh. Everybody laugh at the dummy. (laughs) Everybody laughed at the girl who loved too hard. (laughs) But ever since then, I have, I did come to realize that it was, not the case and that Haley had Klaus's baby. I thought this was like an end of the original situation. Okay. I was not I was not remotely prepared for this. Pissed me off. Pissed me right off. Klaus says, what? And <laughs> Haley says, yeah, I know it's impossible. And Elijah says, Nick Klaus, uh the girl's carrying your child. Klaus is freaked. Klaus is like, what the fuck? Klaus is having a similar reaction to what you had, Stephanie. I'm more hurt by it than him. Yeah. Klaus says, it's impossible. Vampires cannot procreate. And Sophie says, but werewolves can. Magic made you a vampire, but you were born a werewolf. You're the original hybrid, the first of your kind, and this pregnancy is one of nature's loopholes. Sure. Sure. I buy that. Klaus says, Klaus turns to Haley and he says, okay, well, you've been with someone else. Admit it. Which I can't blame him for this. And she says, I have spent days held captive in a freaking alligator by you because they think I'm carrying some magical miracle baby. Don't you think I would have fessed up if it wasn't yours? Fair reasoning. I do think, I mean, it's funny because why on earth would Klaus be wearing condoms? He can't get people pregnant to his knowledge. It's funny that he just, he just never had protected sex because why would he? Well, uh, well, he also probably started having sex before condoms were invented. So he probably just doesn't know that much about birth control. It's not like he's taken a health class. Yeah. Why would he? Now, you would think Haley would, you know, be on the pill or something because she's giving slut vibes, but I guess not. Well, maybe she's like, he's a vampire. That's true. Yeah. She's like, well, he can't get like, I can't get pregnant. Or maybe she thought we were going to get pregnant because who's going to tell her that? Her mom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sophie says, my sister gave her life to perform the spells she needed to confirm this pregnancy. I know it's magic, but could she not have taken a pregnancy test? (laughs) You couldn't have paid five bucks. You couldn't have just gone to CVS. They sell them at the Dollar Tree now, honey. (laughs) I know it's magic, so we just have to like accept that they needed to do a spell. But we have to laugh. Maybe they did try a couple pregnancy tests and they were like, oh. And it was just like it wouldn't do anything. It just completely the whole thing turned pink. (laughs) <laughs> like oh, it all got covered and they're like, okay, well, that doesn't tell us anything. Yeah. Clear blue, they they got the one for the screen and it just said WTF. <laughs> yeah. It said, huh? <laughs> Yowza. It's a, it's a girl IDK. <laughs> and then Sophie says, because of Jane Ann's sacrifice, the lives of this girl and her baby are now controlled by us. If you don't help us take down Marcel, so help me. Haley won't live long enough to see her first maternity dress. And Haley says, wait, what? <laughs> and Haley says, no one told me that. Dude, I thought I was just hanging out. I didn't know I was going to be killed for Klaus. Klaus doesn't give a fuck about me. She said, I have to rely on Klaus to not be killed. Oh, God, I'm dying. I'm going to meet my parents. <laughs> yeah. Elijah says, OK, enough of this. If you want Marcel dead, he's dead. I'll do it myself. Elijah's like, it's really not that hard to kill a vampire, actually. <laughs> Sophie says, no, we can't. Not yet. We have a clear plan that we need to follow. And there are rules. And Klaus says, how dare you command me? 
threaten me with what you wrongfully perceive to be my weaknesses, I won't hear any more lies. And Elijah says, hey, Niklaus, listen. And then Klaus turns, he listens, and he looks at Haley's stomach, and we can hear a heartbeat. So he hears the baby. I know, it's very like, children are a miracle. But then Klaus says, kill her and the baby. What do I care? (laughs) And it's like, well, that's not the reaction we wanted from you. Elijah said, I'm sorry, guys. I really thought he'd be into the idea of having a baby. I confused him with Rebecca. (laughs) Then we go out to the quarter. Klaus is walking and Elijah approaches him and Klaus says, it's a trick, Elijah. And Elijah says, no, brother, it's a gift. It is your chance. It's our chance to start over. Take back everything we've lost, everything that was taken from us. Our own parents came to despise us. Our family was ruined. We were ruined. And since then, all we've ever wanted was a family. Which is true. I mean, Klaus has said as much like 80 times, dude. But the funniest part about this is it's like, you guys don't need a new family member to have a family. Like, you guys can just start being nice to each other. But whatever, I get the point he's making. Yeah, it's also like, we'll love this baby unconditionally. Like, your parents loved you unconditionally? Yeah. Nothing's guaranteed, baby. Is this really the family you want to bring a baby into? This family? Klaus, Haley, Rebecca, I mean. It is like volatile meets volatile. Why does Elijah want to be involved? He's like the one level-headed guy. Yeah, you got a lot of work to do, Elijah. You got to watch that baby like a hawk. (laughs) Klaus says, I will not be manipulated. And Elijah says, so they're manipulating you. So what? With them, this girl and her child, your child, live. And Klaus says, well, I'm going to kill every last one of them. (laughs) Is the thing. Classic response by Klaus. And Elijah says, and then what? Then you return to Mystic Falls to resume your life as the hated evil hybrid. He says, well, I'm actually making a lot of headway with Caroline. He said, I actually, you haven't seen me and Caroline in a while. I think we're inches from kissing. Which is why it's kind of annoying that I'm here right now. It's kind of annoying I'm spinning off right now. <laughs> it feels like, I, like, why is there a baby in the mix? I haven't kissed Caroline yet. Elijah says, is it so important to you that people quake with fear at the sound of your name? And Klaus says, people quake with fear because I have the power to make them afraid. What will this child offer me? Will it guarantee me power? And then Elijah says, family is power. Clearly, this is the thesis we're going to be operating with with the originals, where Vampire Diaries is all about love. The originals is all about family. Okay, that makes sense. They kind of hit us over the head with it, I feel. They do. They do. Well, the originals on their own have always been all about family. Yes. So Um, Elijah says family is power, love, loyalty. That's power. That is what we swore to each other a thousand years ago before life tore away what little humanity you had left. Before ego, anger, and paranoia created in this person before me, someone I can barely recognize as my own brother. This is us, the original family. Now we remain together, always and forever. I am asking you to stay here. I will help you and I will stand by you. I will be your brother. We will build a home here together. So save this girl. Save your child. And number one, Daniel Gillies is acting his butt off in this monologue. Number two, Elijah thinks he's so eight. Yeah, he's like, I did it. And then Klaus grabs Elijah's, you know, face tenderly after this really impassioned, beautiful speech about family. And Klaus says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Then he walks away. Not making any headway yet, but step one. A little bit later, Elijah's on the phone and he's talking to Rebecca and he says, Uh, He's doing what he does, you know, given a chance at happiness, Klaus runs in the opposite direction. Rebecca says, then let him run. That child of his is better off without him. 
And Elijah says, well, he's not better off without that child, Rebecca, and neither are we. Rebecca says, I'm sorry, I wanted to have a baby. Rebecca's like, I was the one who was supposed to get a baby! (laughs) She's pissed. I know she was pissed when she heard this. She is angry. Rebecca says, darling, kind Elijah, our brother rarely brings us anything but pain. At what point in your immortal life will you stop searching for his redemption? And Elijah says, not yet. Elijah says, when I believe there is none left to be found. And he hangs up. Character motivation is very clear in this pilot. Mm -hmm. Then wherever Rebecca is, Catherine appears. And Rebecca says, I'd give you a play-by-play, but you have the air of someone who's been lurking and listening. And Catherine's like, that's me, baby. You got it. Catherine says, he'll come around, you know. Elijah won't stop till he's convinced Klaus to do the right thing. And Rebecca says, I know you consider yourself an expert in brotherly dynamics. It's a funny line because she's always between brothers. What a multi-layered read. (laughs) One of Rebecca's best. Mm -hmm. She says, but you don't know my brothers half as well as you think you do. And Catherine says, you're wrong. Klaus won't be able to walk away from this. He and I are the same. We manipulate, thirst for power, control, punish, but our actions are all driven by one singular place deep inside. Rebecca says, and what's that? And Catherine says, we're alone and we hate it. And Rebecca's like, me too, bitch. The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) But she doesn't hide it as well as Catherine and Klaus do. Exactly. Catherine says, tell Elijah to call me when he comes home. I'll be waiting for him. Yeah. Then we go back to another courtyard party at Marcel's house. I love this because it's clear they just have the same party every day. (laughs) If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Yeah. That's New Orleans, baby. Klaus arrives at the party and Marcel approaches and says, hey, where'd you run off to? And Klaus says, you mean your minions aren't still documenting my every move? And Marcel says, okay, someone put you in a mood. What can I do? And Klaus says, you can tell me what this thing is you have with the witches. And Marcel says, we're back to that? And Klaus says, yeah. Klaus like, we did not leave that. Marcel says, look, I owe you everything I've got, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to draw the line on this one. This is my business. I control the witches in my town. Let's just leave it at that. And Klaus is like, well, I'm done with you calling it your town. So let's start there. Yeah, Klaus says, your town? And Marcel says, damn straight. And Klaus says, that's funny. Because (laughs) when I left 100 years ago, you were just a pathetic little scrapper still trembling from the lashes of the whips of those who would keep you down. And now look at you. Master of your domain. (laughs) I know, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, we're going there, Klaus. Yeah. And at this point, people start to turn and listen. Henchmen have appeared. Someone has turned the music off so everyone can listen to this fight. Yeah, because they're like, we do this party every night, but this is new. And Klaus says, you know, look at you now, master of your domain, prince of the city. I'd like to know how. And Marcel says, why? Jealous? And he is. (laughs) And Klaus says, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then Marcel says, man, I get it. 300 years ago, you helped build a backwater penal colony into something. You started it. But then you left. Actually, you ran from it. I saw it through. Look around. Vampires rule this city now. We don't have to live in the shadows like rats. The locals know their place. They look the other way. I got rid of the werewolves. I even found a way to shut down the witches. The blood never stops flowing and the party never ends. You want to pass on through? You want to stay a while? Great. What's mine is yours, but it is mine. My home, my family, my rules. What a monologue. What a monologue he ate on this. And Klaus says, and if someone breaks those rules, and Marcel says, they die. Now, at this point, I was like, now, Marcel, how do you plan on killing Mr. Klaus? I know. And Klaus is getting that going. Because Klaus knows damn well that that white oak steak 
It ain't Louisiana. He knows there's one and he knows where it is. Yeah. And it ain't in Marcel's house. Yeah. Marcel says, mercy is for the weak. You taught me that too. And I'm not the prince of the quarter, friend. I'm the king. So show me some respect. And Klaus says, mm, this won't do. Klaus says, I actually don't think I will show you any respect. And somebody does is he goes over and he bites Thierry in his little newsboy hat. Mm-hmm. And Klaus says, your friend is going to be dead by the weekend which means I've broken one of your rules, and yet I cannot be killed. Klaus said, that hat was pissing me the fuck off, too. Yeah. Klaus said, yeah, here's a riddle. You can't kill me. I am immortal. Who has the power now, friend? Now, unfortunately, this is just the worst bluff he could have called because Marcel was eating, but it's like, well, what are you going to do? You weren't killing that guy, so you look a little weak. Yeah, and you need to show power over him. Klaus smiles and leaves. And Marcel's like, oh, fuck, I fucked this up. And we see the shadow of someone watching this from the balcony. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I did not. That's all I'll say about that. We go back to the quarter. Klaus watches a band play. They're playing like some emotional music, but the band is clearly playing jazz. It's different music than what the band is playing. Some guy paints and he watches the guy paint. And then he also sees someone else watching. And it is Cammy. So Klaus notices her approaches. And she says, oh, the $100 guy. And he says, the brave bartender. And then he reads her name tag. And it says Camille. And he says, that's a French name. And she says, it's a grandma's name. Call me Cammy. She turns back to the artist. And she says, amazing, isn't he? And Klaus says, do you paint? And she says, no, but I admire. Every artist has a story, you know? And Klaus says, what do you suppose his story is? Klaus is like, oh, great. This is just the kind of thing I like to hear. Yeah. She says, well, he's angry, dark, doesn't feel safe, and he doesn't know what to do about it. He wishes he could control his demons instead of having the demons control him. He's lost, alone. Klaus is crying. And meanwhile, the painter is in earshot. Yeah, the painter's like, can you guys stop just talking about me? Like, are you going to drop some money in the tip bucket or buy a print or not? Or are you just going to make a fanfic about me over there? You're just going to talk about how fucking depressed I am. Guess what? You're right. I am depressed. I am a little depressed. And I'm more depressed now that you're saying it. And let me tell you what, the depressed paintings, they sell well. And Klaus is crying because, you know, he obviously applies this to himself. How could he not? And she says, or maybe he just drank too much tonight. Sorry. Overzealous psych major. And Klaus says, no, I think you were probably right the first time. And she smiles. I do want to talk about this little duo Mm -hmm. because I think it's pretty clear here what they're trying to do with Miss Cammie and it is have a knockoff Caroline. Yeah. And it's not working. And I mean, this was pretty, I will tell you, Leah Pipes had a hard go. She was very much cyber bullied by Caroline stands. Oh no. Yeah. Because I was getting that sense. I was like, are they trying to make me think that she's a Caroline? I mean, you can see she's blonde. She's smart. She sees through the like, whatever, bullshit. She's a little bit more age appropriate for Klaus, maybe. You can see they're trying to set something up there. Yeah. And it very much comes off as this is the closest you're going to get to Caroline. Thank you so much. Like, please take this and a phone call and then we're good. And they were like, (laughs) and then shut up. And the Caroline stands like, we won't actually. We're not going to do that. We have a lot to say. And we'll see if they do something similar over on the Vampire Diaries. She turns and she's like, oh, so do you paint? But then she sees he left. And she's like, okay. 
Thanks. She said, okay, have a good night. And then Klaus walks in when he sits on a bench and Elijah joins him on that bench. And Klaus says, here to give me another pep talk on the joys of fatherhood. And Elijah says, I've said all I needed to say. And Klaus says, you know, I forgot how much I liked this town. And Elijah says, I didn't forget all the centuries we've spent together. And yet I can count on one hand the number of times our family has been truly happy. I hated leaving here. Klaus says, as did I. And Elijah says, what's on your mind, brother? And Klaus says, you know, for a thousand years, I lived in fear. Anytime I settled anywhere, our father would hunt me down and chase me off. He made me feel powerless and I hated it. This town was my home once. And in my absence, Marcel has gotten everything I've ever wanted. Power, loyalty, family. I made him in my image and he has bettered me. I want what he has. I want to be king. Again, this is such an incredible relationship they've built that Klaus is so deeply jealous of Marcel. Yeah, because he's like, I gave him all the information. He should be maybe reaching my level, but I didn't think he'd pass me. And he should definitely bow down when I come back to town. But Marcel is very much holding his own against Klaus. Yeah. Elijah says, what about Haley and the baby? Elijah's like, are we past that? Like, because I I think that's the main thing here. Yeah. And Klaus says, every king needs an heir. And they smile. So the baby's here, I guess. The baby's sticking around. And for that matter, so is Haley. So you better get used to her. (laughs) (sighs) Like, I know eventually I'll have to come around on her. Yes. And I figured, frankly, I figured I would before she got pregnant. But here we are. If Julie Plutt gives me Jeremy back, then it's all forgiven. We'll see if she does. And if she doesn't, I have some things to say to her. (laughs) We go back to the cemetery and Elijah catches up with Sophie. Elijah says, how do you propose this will work? And Sophie says, your brother needs to cement his place in Marcel's world, his inner circle, the Daywalkers. That's where we begin. They're his friends, his family will be hitting him where it hurts. So then we go elsewhere, some house. Marcel and all his Daywalkers are gathered around Thierry as he is dying. Yeah, he's in a nice big bed, just laying, waiting for it to take him. One of his friends so kindly took his hat off. They said, you're not going to die in that hat. And he said, but that's my favorite hat. And they said, it's no one else's. And he said, can I die in my vest at least? And they said, sure. He said, fine, but we're pulling the blanket up. (laughs) Klaus comes in and he says, I had some time to sleep on it last night. I am not your enemy. Where my family and I failed this town, Marcel succeeded. So he grabs a glass, bites his hand, pours some blood in and says, my blood will heal him as though it never happened. Classic Klaus move to bite someone and then save them and be like, you're welcome, everyone. And it's like, well, you did cause the issue. Be like, aren't I nice? <laughs> Isn't it so kind of me to have saved him? And it's like, I am so selfless saving at first. He was doing OK before you bit him. <laughs> Marcel nods. Diego takes the glass to Thierry. Thierry drinks. And Klaus says to Marcel, the quarter is your home, but I would like to stay a while if I'm still welcome. Marcel smiles and laughs because he thinks he won. Yeah, he's like, great. So you're happy to just be a visitor while I'm in charge. And it's like, have you met Klaus? Yeah, he's not going to go down that easy. (laughs) Yeah. Then we go back out to the quarter. There's a parade happening. A second line. A second line, as it is called. And Klaus watches and then he takes out his phone, makes a phone call. And he leaves a voicemail. He says, Caroline, I'm standing in one of my favorite places in the world, surrounded by food, music, art, culture 
And all I can think about is how much I want to show it to you. Maybe one day you'll let me. And Julie Pluck said, and that's enough for y'all. Do you think there's a possibility that Caroline spins off? I don't think she's spinning off, but I do think she'll guest star. Okay. Because you can cut this if you want. But I remember when I, we posted our picture in New Orleans on the Doppelganger's Instagram, I put the caption, we are giving Caroline Forbes in New Orleans. And you said, if anyone comments on that, don't look at it. <laughs> so I think she'll be in New Orleans at some point. You think there's going to be a special occasion that Caroline goes to New Orleans for? If she comes from Mardi Gras, I would love it. <laughs> I would just love it. I guess we'll see if there's any special reason she makes it down to New Orleans. Oh, maybe she's interviewing for colleges. Maybe. Then we go back over to the Mystic Falls house. Elijah is catching up with Rebecca. And Rebecca says, so that's it. I'm just supposed to pack up my things and leave for good. Forget my life here. My pursuit of the cure. Girl, what life here? Yeah. Girl, Matt is never coming around on you. Let's put that down. No one will notice if you leave. I hate to say that, but it's true. They'll all just be like, oh, we haven't seen Rebecca in a while. That's kind of nice. Elijah says, the cure was a fool's errand. Taking it would have stripped you of everything you are. Or for what? More high school proms? And that's what's funny to me, because if she took the cure, she'd have less high school proms because she'd start aging. She can literally go to a prom every year. The issue is she just wants someone to go to the proms with. And it's like, well, that is not a human thing. That's a personality thing. Yeah. Rebecca says, I wanted to be human. I wanted children and a family. And Elijah says, and I stand before you to offer you both. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Rebecca, that's not just Klaus's baby. That's our baby. He said, it's going to be so like three men and a baby. It's going to be our very own full house. We love that show. Elijah wants to live his full house fantasy. I know Klaus thinks he's John Stamos on Full House. He's not, though. Klaus is Bob Saget. Yes, Klaus is Bob Saget. Rebecca's John Stamos. No, Rebecca's Dave Couillet. Rebecca's Dave Couillet. Elijah's John Stamos. I thought that Elijah would think he's John Stamos, but wouldn't be, but I guess he is. No, I think Elijah would think he's Bob Saget, but he's John Stamos. And Klaus would think he's, think he's John, John Stamos, Stamos, but he's Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. Rebecca knows she's Dave Couillet. <laughs> Rebecca says, and if I decide against you, a dagger in my heart and then back in a box. Elijah's like, okay, I've never personally daggered you, girl. So let's pack that up. Elijah's like, we haven't been daggering for quite some time (laughs) relative to our normal pattern here. Elijah says, I've made my case. Your family needs you and what choice you make right now is your own. Rebecca says, I owe him nothing. I wish him no joy, no love. I will stay here and live my life the way I want to. And if you're smart, I suggest you do the same. She leaves. Catherine appears. And says, you know, she's right. Be smart, Elijah. Klaus is stark raving mad, not to mention completely irredeemable. Leave him to set off on this new adventure and let you and I go out on ours. I have lost so much of my life to Klaus. So have you. It's our turn, Elijah. Please. She's like, let's spin off. And this is so funny because it's like, well, maybe they'll be on the originals too. In no world is needed O'Brien on both shows. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's so easy to forget that it's the same actress. Now, I know. Lady Catherine's going to spin off. No, she won't. I mean, Little doesn't have the time in the day. They shoot in two different places, these shows. Yeah. It's not going to happen. He says, Katerina. He kisses her forehead. And then he says, goodbye. And he leaves. He's done with her. And Catherine's like, God damn it. I'm getting dumped all of a sudden. What the hell? <laughs> it truly never happened to me. <laughs> then we go down to the Salvatore dungeon. We're going to tie ourselves back into the Vampire Diaries before we get back in. Uh, to next week's episode. Elena is not looking good. Very much grayed out. Damon comes in and says, you look very bad. 
And she says, well, I'm hungry, not that you care. (laughs) And he says, oh, but I do. That's the whole point. I care and you don't. It's about time for that to change. And then he holds out a blood bag and gives it to her. And like a dumbass, she starts drinking it. Yeah, because it's like, don't you think it's pretty early for you to get a full blood bag? And then she throws it up and says, Vervain! We haven't had that in a while. <laughs> yeah. When they do this and when Marcel takes the Vervain pill, you, we get a little bit of steam coming out of it, yeah. which is a fun effect that they add. Damon says, how does that make you feel? Hurt because I'd betray you? Angry because I'd cause you pain? Or scared because you know it's going to get a lot worse? She said, it makes me hungry. And so she tries to run out of the dungeon. But of course, there's Stefan. And she says, oh, you boys want to play games? Go ahead. Let's see who breaks first, me or you. Who do you think is going to break first? I think if they succeed in not feeding Elena anything, Elena. But the thing is, she has no issue being mean to the both of them. And let's be honest, Stefan has been deeply vulnerable with her, as has Damon. So... She's got some weapons. She's got some weapons. And any of their weapons for her won't work as well if she doesn't have any emotions. Mm-hmm. So I fear Stefan will be breaking first. <laughs> At first I was like, well, Lena's going to break first. And I was like, mm, actually, <laughs> I had to know. But that is a question for next week, because that brings us to the end of the episode, the end of the backdoor pilot. So we're not going to talk big Vampire Diaries things here, because obviously that's not the show we just watched. Let's talk about the originals and spinoffs in general. So number one, does this pilot make you want to watch the originals? It does, because I'm curious. I'm a little raw about the baby thing, but I'm intrigued. And I do think there's some interesting questions that I would like to know some answers to. Plus, I like a New Orleans setting and I feel good about the way that the New Orleans setup is going. It does also, the fact that the spinoff is here makes me think, this is like, unfortunately, going back into Vampire Diaries land. If the veil's dropped, it's dropping in New Orleans too. So now that's getting scary to me because what if Jeremy doesn't come back? Why would Jeremy not come back? If they, if the oh, because you think drop. they're not going to drop the veil? Because I still think they will, but because then you know Jane Ann pops right back in. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. So I was just thinking about that through this episode. That is a good point. Let's talk about predictions for the originals. Number one, let's talk about the Clayley baby. You have some preconceived notions about this baby based on just general things. Talk yes. about what those preconceived notions about this baby are. This baby is a girl. Her name will be Hope. Her name will be Hope? Hope. Feels a little basic. It does. The Vampire Diaries. Well, it's Haley's <laughs> baby. Uh, <laughs> and she will be the center of the spinoff legacies. Those are my notions about her. Based on the pilot, do you have predictions about couples for the originals? Who is Endgame? I know you are under the impression that Clayley is Endgame. Are you still under that impression knowing we start the show pregnant? I think Yes. Well, actually, I have to rethink everything because I didn't expect this at all, you know? Yes, exactly. You were not, you thought you'd have more time. Yeah. I mean, it's also possible we meet new people, but we have to assume these people we met in the pilot will stick around. Yeah. Well, I do also have a belief. I don't know 100% if this is true, and I don't know when it would happen if it is true that Klaus dies during the original's run. Oh. So Endgame is kind of iffy. Although I guess you can be Endgame and die. While we're talking about couples, you can also talk about who do you think makes it out of this show alive? Yeah, that's true. I guess we have to assume there's some death in the mix. It's Julie Plek. 
So I am going to say no on them being Endgame just because, frankly, I don't want it. And I assumed they had to be because of the baby. But now I have a reason to not believe it. So I'm going to say no. Who do you think our Endgame couples will be? When we get to the end of the originals, who do you think we're going to see coupled up? I think Elijah's going to have somebody. Who? That's a great question, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Maybe Haley. What makes you say that? Because he already likes this baby the most out of any of them. Do you think Elijah and Haley would be good for each other? I mean, I'm not rooting for either of them with anybody else. So that's kind of me putting them together. Well, I do want to bring up, you know, Haley shares some similarities with Catherine. Yeah. Tough exterior. Dead parents. So I'm going to put those two together because I think they're a better match than her and Klaus. Do you think we might see a love triangle? Oh, perhaps, perhaps. They love a brother love triangle. Well, I do want to bring up something that comes up in this pilot. Julie Pleck knows what worked for her in The Vampire Diaries. Mm -hmm. The Vampire Diaries, we started with a brunette orphan and two brothers. And we are starting the originals with a brunette orphan and two brothers. Okay, so that leads me to a guess about legacies. What's your guess about legacies? That is stressed as a brunette orphan. (laughs) Named Hope. But, you know, legacies came out later. They might do some gender swapping. Maybe the brunette orphan is a boy. I, I know it's not, but well, oh, what, maybe do you, the, what do you know? What do you know well, about Legacy? Let's, I did want to ask what you know about Legacy. I will just say Haley is also mortal as a werewolf. So, you sure. know, she's on the way out at some point anyway. I want to bring up something you haven't brought up. How does Cammie fit into this? Do you think she's endgame with anybody? Or do you think she's not going to make it through this show alive? I don't think she's making it through this show. I mean, yes and no, because I do think they're clearly setting her up to be a major character. I don't, she's not giving me anything interesting. So I don't particularly feel interested in what happens to her, but that can shift. You know, it's the first episode. Not everyone's going to be like the most exciting person Mm -hmm. first episode. And also I, you know, didn't clock this in the episode, but as you said, we didn't really see her and Marcel finish their conversation. So they could get along because clearly he got along with her enough to let her live. And he does love to eat that one. So You think Marcel and Cammie could be a possible couple? She seems awful boring for him. I mean, she could turn into a vampire. There's no shortage of vampires around. And if she works in this bar that they all hang out in all the time, I mean. Think there's anyone else Marcel might date? Maybe one of the witches if we're going to Romeo and Juliet thing. Maybe Sophie. Sure. Just because I think that'd be sexy. Sure thing. Enemies to lovers. You know, I respond to that every time. Another question to think about. We see this show pretty much start to revolve around Elijah and Klaus's relationship. And Rebecca doesn't seem too willing to spin off. Do you think she will spin off eventually? Yeah. I think once that cure is completely out of the mix and she's all by herself in this team that doesn't have a family anymore, I think she'll want to find that family again. Mm -hmm. I think beginning of season five, she'll be off the Vampire Diaries. My final question, read the originals, is... I asked this, but we didn't really get to an answer. Who do you think will make it out of this show alive, if anyone? You can also say who you think will die of the people we know. I think Elijah will make it out alive. Marcel, I'll vote for. Those are the main two. So you think we're going to see Klaus die, Haley die, Cammie die, Sophie, you think she's going to die? I think like Sophie and Haley, it's like whether or not they die, like it'll be on the way because they're not immortal. If they can live, I would think maybe Sophie will live. I do think Haley. Well, mm, Haley's 50-50 to me. And do you think the 
the Clayley baby, who you presume to be named Hope, do you think she's going to live? Yeah, I am under the impression. I don't know how much I should say because I don't want to spoil it if these are right, but they might be wrong, so it might be irrelevant. I don't think you have to worry about spoiling anything. Let me ask you a question. What do you know about Legacies, if anything, our next spinoff? Yes. Well, so I'm under the impression that Klaus dies in order to save Hope. Okay. And my understanding of Legacies is that it takes place at essentially a boarding school for supernatural creatures because I unfortunately did see when the finale of Legacies came out a picture that gave me hints to the name of that school, the Salvatore School. Okay. So I assume it's a supernatural creature school. Sure. And you think it revolves around this uh, Clayley baby? You think she might be a protagonist of Legacies? Yes. And I'm also the under impression that Alaric or Matthew Davis is on Legacies. uh, And also that Tyler is somehow on Legacies. Interesting. I don't think Tyler is like a regular, but I think he pops in. Matthew Davis, I believe, is a regular on Legacies. Interesting. A teacher at the school, perhaps. A teacher. Huh. Interesting. Wonder if it pays better than teaching at public high school. Maybe. I mean, probably. Salvatore's have many fortunes. Bet he gets to drink more. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it stopped him before. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode, this backdoor pilot. I mean, I didn't even think about putting too many guesses into this because I... Haven't thought about the originals that much. I know. I did kind of want to ambush you with it so you could make some silly little guesses. And you did. (laughs) And and boy, did I. As always, if you are enjoying The Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars when you review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.